Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're at the end of a series called Hope in Crisis, and today we're going to listen to the last part of a message called Hope in God Alone, and that's the heart behind this series, that you would put your hope in God alone. neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the same statement. God's love never ends. The word used here in the text, steadfast love, we've talked about this word before. The word here is the word from the Hebrew Chesed. That's the eternal, loyal, never ending love of God. And I tell you, throughout eternity, all when all else fades from our lives, the eternal, never ending, steadfast, loyal love of the living God is going to blow our minds a million years from now, as it will a billion years from now, as it will through all eternity. In fact, we'll understand it more clearly. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Now, amazingly, he's saying that when it appears that God's love is the least visible. I want you to circle that word there, never ends, in your Bible. I'm going to tell you this. If there was ever a time where God himself was justified to bring his love to an end, it was right here in the text. His people had turned on him. They had rebelled against him. They had gone after idols. Every, you na- they, things they could do that were evil, name it, they did it. They were God's people. They were the people that God was using as the banner of here's who I am. And these corrupt people who did not want to follow God were stubborn to the core, were idolaters, committed idolaters. If there was ever a time where God would turn his back on his people forever, it was right here. And yet... Jeremiah says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And I would tell some of you are here who maybe you had a little a spill or maybe you backslid a bit and you're wondering, does God still love me? Go to the text. If you're a genuine believer and you fail, get up and start going in the right direction. God has never ceased to love you. Verse 23, they are new every morning. They are new every morning. I want to pause here and say something about grief. I'll come back to this in a second. There is something important about good grief or proper grief. There is a time to mourn over pain. Okay? Uh, A good Christian is not somebody that always keeps a painted smile on their face and says, everything is all right, it's all right. Now, I know everything will be all right. But that doesn't deny the fact that there's pain. Lamentations is a study in how do I address God when I'm absolutely, utterly broken to the core. A good church family, which is loving, and we love each other here, is a family that lets people grieve. And I would tell you, if you're with somebody in your small group who's going through a difficult time, let them grieve. Don't immediately try to say, well, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And there may be a time to say that in two months. But let them grieve, let them speak, let them say things about God that they don't understand and they're hurting. We need to rejoice with those who rejoice, but also weep with those who weep. That's a family, that's a family. But I also say this, that good grief does not stay in the pit forever. Notice, just skip over in the end, toward the end of the chapter, 
verse 55, Lamentations 3.55. It says, I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. God doesn't want us in the pit forever. As believers, we celebrate the past. Sometimes we mourn the past, but it's ultimately about today. And good believers don't stay stuck in the past forever. If you do, you will be in the pit for a long time. And God doesn't want you there forever. I always love it every Easter. Easter never um, ceases to get old, and a little part of Easter, Easter egg hunts, never gets old either. Um, I always am amazed by these little eggs that, ki- that kids get old. I mean, it doesn't matter that there's just, there's just nickels and Tootsie Rolls in there. They're the same thing as last year, uh, minus the inflation on your nickel, okay? It's all the same stuff. But when you say go and they have a basket, I mean, you'd think they were going to find the world's wealth in five minutes, okay? Tearing through, tearing through, found, look what I found, look what I found. And then, and then, there's the two eggs they missed, right? And they find them three weeks later. God help us to know what that Tootsie Roll's gone through in three weeks under the sun. But when they find that egg they missed, like, it's breaking news, like, it's, uh, you wouldn't believe it, I found it. I found that yellow, sun-worn-out egg. It was awesome. Did he turn it in and say, I, I'd like a fresh? T-? No, he didn't. He threw it in his mouth in five seconds. He couldn't wait. It was the best thing. Now, let me look at our lives. It's the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. In the life of the believer, every day is a new Easter egg hunt. It's an Easter egg hunt to see the grace of God showing up here in normal ways and in new ways. And I'll tell you, when you're going through the hardest season in your life, that's kind of like three weeks later. There's not a lot of eggs left out sometimes. But when you find that one truth that you can hold to, when God shows up and meets you in your broken place, that is a time where the realness of who God is and the grace and his loving kindness can become more real than even the other times that you saw the same thing. Amen? I have an eternal source of hope in God because, number two, his covenant love and compassion are conveyed to me in new ways every day. God's love for you is not stale or worn out. It is new and vibrant every morning. The most joyful people in all the Christian family are those who have trained their eyes, despite, often despite great pain in their own lives. The people that are most joyful are those who have trained their eyes to see the grace of God at work. Who have trained their eyes to mind the riches of God's word. Who have trained their eyes to see the simple graces that God brings every day. I want to tell you the story of a person uh, that I was studying this past week. His name is um, Thomas Chisholm. Now, Thomas was born in 1866. He had a difficult adult life. His health was so fragile that there were periods of time when he was confined to bed, unable to work. Between bouts of illness, he would have to push himself to put in extra hours at various jobs in order to simply make ends meet. Then he came to Christ at age 27, and Thomas found great comfort in the scriptures. The fact that God was faithful 
to be his strength in time of illness provided great hope to him. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 was one of his favorite verses. After he became a Christian at 27, he entered the ministry uh, when he was 36, but through poor health, was forced to retire just one year later. And during the rest of his life, Chisholm spent many years living in New Jersey, uh, working as an insurance agent. Still, even at this desk job, he wrote nearly 1,200 poems throughout his life, including uh, several published hymns. While he was away from home one time on a missions trip, Thomas uh, often would write to his friend, one of his good friends, William Runyon, a relatively unknown musician. Several poems were exchanged uh, in their letters, and Runyon found one of William's poems so moving that he decided to compose a musical score to accompany the lyrics. It became a hymn and was first published in 1923. For several years, the hymn got very little recognition until a Moody Bible Institute professor who loved it so much asked that it would be repeatedly sung at chapel services and became the unofficial theme song of the college. It was not until 1945 when George Beverly Shea began to sing this hymn at Billy Graham Evangelistic Crusades, and since that time, the hymn has been known around the world. You've probably heard it, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I asked Sam if we could take a break here. This is not just a preaching session. This is a time of worship. Let's just take a second as we're going through this text. I want you to think about your life and God's faithfulness. Let's just sing a couple of lines from this song together. Great is
Here's a man who was broken personally. His dreams in ministry failed. He had to work hard just to get by. And yet through that pressure and that tension, God brought a song that is ministered to probably billions of people. It's interesting how God works, isn't it? Because of God's faithfulness, I can trust in his perfect faithfulness. I can trust in his perfect faithfulness. This is Pastor Luke Aarons. Maybe you've been listening to Meeting with God and wondering, how can I embrace the gift of salvation and follow Jesus Christ? Or I have some questions about Jesus and the journey of faith. We would love to answer any questions you may have or help you in taking the next step of faith. Let me encourage you to visit our church website, verticalchurch.life, or visit one of our weekend services in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. It's interestingly here, the word used for faithfulness is, as one commentator said, with reference to God, this word occurs almost exclusively only during the exile and after the exile. The people of God who, though they knew of God's faithfulness, it wasn't until they had to go through the pain of the exile and the post-exilic period that they began to turn their eyes back toward God and to realize his true faithfulness. It's often through, again, our brokenness that we see the true faithfulness of the living God. Our brokenness often exposes the faithfulness of God. Now, I'm going to ask you, in your own life, that's probably true. Think about your own life. Think about your testimony. It's often in brokenness that God exposes his faithfulness to us. This summer, we were on vacation. Uh, we had some time on our hands, and we were watching this uh, little documentary, and I found it fascinating. And I'm not one of those uh, astronomy gurus by any sense. Um, I know the planets are out there, and... Uh, when I get to heaven, I'll have a better view. Um, that's probably my basic philosophy right there. However, uh, I was sitting down with the boys, and we watched this documentary on the mission to Mars. And uh, they talked about, some of you remember this, the two little rovers that they sent out in 2004 uh, out to Mars. And uh, here's a picture of one of them right now. You can see this. Pretty sweet looking, eh? Well, anyways, we were watching this, this documentary, and they were talking about the excitement of them landing on Mars, and there's two of them. They were on different sides. But one of them, which was called the Spirit Rover, uh, ran into trouble, and uh, one of the back wheels uh, ceased to work. And, uh, you know, if your tire ceases to work, you're, what, three miles away from the mechanic and a tow truck? Well, in this case, they were about, oh, about 140 million miles away. Um, not much of a chance of fixing it. So they had to figure out a way, all these uh, NASA individuals had to figure out a way to get this rover to keep moving. And what they discovered is if it could go with the kind of dud tire to the back, they could kind of just pull it along and keep moving. Well, for three years they did this. They kept trying to use maneuver as best they could to discover what they could uh, from Mars until something happened in 2007. Because one of the tires, the back ones, was what they call a dead tire, it was just kind of scraping along like a limp limb, if you will. But because of that, it scraped through a surface and revealed one of their greatest finds. 
Because it was scraping along, it uncovered some of the dirt instead of just riding over it. And I could read you some of what they found. You can study it online if you want. It was one of their best discoveries. Isn't that how God works sometimes? The pain, the things that we can never fix in life sometimes become the vehicle for God uncovering the greatest truths from Scripture. Someday when our testimony is done and we hang it up and we go into glory, I think you'll probably find that most of us and most of the other saints in heaven will tell you it was the seasons of brokenness that God met me the most. And I would challenge you to think for a minute, what are those dead wheels in your life? What are the things that um, they aren't repairable? You can't fix them. It's broken and it will always be broken. What are those things in our lives that we constantly grimace at, constantly tell, Lord, why would you allow this? Why would you bring this into my life? How come I didn't grow up with a healthy family? How come, I, how come my kids can't seem to get it? How come my spouse is this? How come my coworkers can never do I try so hard? How come you have put me in a place where various things are not just a bad wheel, a dead wheel? dragging it along. God, I have to drag this thing along for the rest of my life. I'm going to have to drag this thing along. Sometimes we just need to look back and see what God is doing as a result of that dead wheel. That is where the power of God shows up in our lives. What is the dead wheel in your life? Is it a sin? Is it a scar? Is it a family issue, past or present? Is it a health issue? It is a, you could go on and on. Um, we're not the only ones that have dead wheels. Think about David. David had two dead wheels. David was born last in his family, so he had to go out and be a shepherd. And David was an action guy, right? When he hears the Philistines are coming to town, and I got to sit out with these sheep because I'm the youngest. I'm the runt of the litter, and I got to go hang out with these stinky sheep when I could be in the middle of the action. And yet as a result of David being a shepherd, he wrote arguably the most famous passage of all of scripture, the Lord is my shepherd. But then think about this, the other dead wheel in his life, committing adultery. That was a scar that can never be replaced. It still comes, what is the first or second thing that comes to mind when we mention the word David? It's a scar, isn't it? And yet, as a result of that, he met God in a unique way in repentance. Think about a Psalm chapter 51. We never would have had Psalm 51 without a dead wheel. Psalm 51.1 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. There it is. According to your abundant mercy. There it is. Blot out my transgressions. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Some of the greatest hope to Christians who fall into especially egregious sin are found right here. And really all of us should be grateful because all of us are egregious sinners in, in, in the eyes of God. Isn't that awesome? And sometimes we need to stop and second and say, well, I know it's painful. I know this thing in my life is painful. But, but, but here's the question. What does God want to do with it? What does God want to use with the dead wheel in your life? Jeremiah was stuck with a city and with a people that were rebellious, that got judged. He was stuck with the fact that this would never be put back together in his lifetime. And yet, that's why we have these words right here. I believe God allows dead wheels, some of our, our own faults, but God allows things to come into play 
where he reveals his faithfulness to us, he reveals his mercy to us, where he draws our hearts toward him. I want you to look at the final verse here in the text. Verse 24 says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You know, as I'm thinking about this series on hope, hope in crisis, uh, this is the last message in this series on crisis. What do we do when the crisis comes and it devastates us? And we have to wake up the next morning. Well, this right here is the manual on how you deal with it, right here. It's interesting, one commentator said this, that the word portion here in verse 24, this, this is a word that describes something that belongs to someone Literally, it's saying, Yahweh is all I have. Yahweh is my portion. I don't have an inheritance. The house is gone. I don't have much of a family. They're gone. I don't have anything else. The thing I have, the thing that remains, the only thing that ultimately matters is God. God is my portion. God is my inheritance. Though everything else falls away and gets torched, though I lose everything that I wanted, though my dreams come crashing down, none of that compares to God. He's saying, listen, listen, in spite of all the devastation, God is my portion. He is the center of my affections. He is the one that will bring me through. He is the one that, honestly, if I never get through, he's what I'm holding to. When life is collapsing around us and pain is all we see and everything is stripped away, I have God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Here's the final point. When I make God the center of my affections, I have unlimited hope. I love that last phrase there. Therefore, I will hope in him. That is the message summed up right there. That is the question for you today. Therefore, I will hope in him. If the decision to be made today is not, what do I think about the tax? The question fundamentally when you hit crisis is, will I, I hope in him? And if you can say yes to that, God will get you through. That is the source of hope. That's where it's at right there. The question I would um, encourage you to think about as we go today is, can I say that to the Lord? Can you say the same words Jeremiah did and can you mean them? Do you know that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end? Do you know that? Do you believe that? When I'm tempted to despair, look up. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you missed part of today's message or would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please visit our archive of Meeting with God radio programs at our website, verticalchurch.life. There you'll find a collection of past messages from God's Word, which you can listen to easily, as well as share with your family and friends. Also on our website, you can learn how to connect with Vertical Church personally if you're in Columbus or leave a prayer request. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God.
Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.